we actually have real chocolate, everybody. I, you know, some of you may have known this, maybe some of you didn't, but we actually have real cacao pods in the Philippines. It's an entire industry. And um, the real types of chocolates that maybe our moms or dads or titas and titos are familiar with are tableas. And tableas are known as roasted, ground, and molded nibs of fermented pure cacao beans. So these are 100%. You can, you know, you can drink them as like hot chocolate, uh, chocolate, sequate, <laughs> uh, pure just by itself. It has a little bit of, of bitterness to it and you can add a bit of, you know, milk. But uh, we actually produce real chocolate in the Philippines. So that's why we're so excited to be able to share with you um, this special episode because we are going to be talking about... We talking about chocolate. We talking about the Filipino Willy Wonka over here. We talking about like <laughs> <laughs> the what? The what? What do you call them? <laughs> Yo, the Filipino Willy Wonka. Like for real, for real. <laughs> the chocolate Willy Wonka. <laughs> I wanna, I wanna be, I wanna be Charlie. Yo, I, I wanna be, I wanna, I wanna, I want that golden ticket. And every, but thing is, every bar that comes with this, this man is um, a golden ticket. I feel uh. like it tastes like a golden ticket. And y'all, y'all better, y'all better get ready with your wallets real quick. Them shipping, you know, come down to Granville Island. So today, as Archie mentioned, who she calls the chocolate Filipino. Willy Wonka, yo. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is my dear friend Vincent Garcia from Kasama Chocolate. So, so excited to be able to chat with him. Um, you guys are going to hear him come on in a little bit. We actually recorded directly in his chocolate shop, which is based out of Granville Island here in Vancouver. And um, yeah, the first uh, brick and mortar Filipino chocolate artisan um, storefront here in Vancouver. So, so amazing to have this award winning chocolate maker come and talk about his wonderful product and you know what's even more special about the chocolate that he makes is this is directly bean to bar meaning you know these are cacao beans straight from the philippines that are fermented and then created into this beautiful chocolate and um, that we get to enjoy so he has has some really amazing flavors as well and my favorite is the collaboration with cafe coffee which is another leading Filipino product brand based out of Vancouver here. And they will actually be coming up in the next upcoming episodes um, as part of our Filipino Heritage Month feature series. Um, Also why we had invited Vince to come on and uh, be a featured guest as part of our Filipino Heritage Month guest speakers. So I wanted to share a little uh, tidbit, a little info about cacao in the Philippines. Uh, We actually export up to 4.7 million to 5 million metric tons of cacao. And now there is a program happening in the Philippines where they are trying to convert from waste to wealth. So other than using the cacao beans for chocolate, uh, they are now finding sustainable ways to reuse the cacao pods, you know, whether it is to dehydrate it or freeze it or are using it for baking or even um, converted to fertilizer. Um, So there is some amazing um, chocolate uh, resources in the Philippines. So I highly, highly recommend that you, you know, do a little bit of a deep dive into the chocolate industry or the cacao industry rather in the Philippines. 
Philippines, we have such a rich relationship with growing cacao. And if you didn't know, now you know. So Archia, do you have anything else to add before we introduce our wonderful guest? Yo, okay. To be honest, I'm literally munching on the strawberry chocolate bar right now. <laughs> I'm trying to savor it. <laughs> like, save this bad. But Actually, yeah, I no. want you to talk about um, what we had tasted during the uh, Cafe at Chocolate Dos virtual tasting. Um, there were a couple of um, options that we got to try, which is the 70% bar from Davao. And then and there was also the blueberry chocolate. How, like, what did you think about that one? Okay, the blueberry one got me messed up because that <laughs> was that was so bomb. No, I, oh man, you need to make the bars bigger. <laughs> I need more than that. I mean, jack up the price a bit more, sure, but like, come on, man. No, it's good. The blueberry one. I'm yeah. I'm, I feel like I need to take a trip to Gravel Island and just buy in bulk at this point. You know, all the fruit like the the fruit ones are just so spot on. Like the strawberry one, I'm obsessed with. And then we got what else did I try? The blueberry lavender lemon one. That one's bomb too. Especially if you like the like a, a tangy side. Like if you like sour more so mm-hmm. like uh, flavoring. But no, the strawberry one I'm munching on right now. It's bomb and uh, I'm running out. So. Anyways, well, I also wanted to talk about a special bar that uh, Vince and another friend of ours, Andrew from La Union, had collaborated on, um, and it was the Ube Pineapple Chocolate Bar. Doesn't Ooh, that sound delicious? Wait, no, that was good. That was really good. Oh, man, they're all good. <laughs> that was amazing. Yeah. And uh, what's so special about it, um, Vince is from Cagayan and what they had done with the bar when they created the specialty bar, the proceeds went towards towards those who were impacted by Typhoon Ulysses. And, um, it's, you know, one of the regions that were affected was actually Vince's region in, in Cagayan. So it was very, very special for them to have collaborated together to create this delicious bar for, for such a meaningful purpose. And, you know, it just really is an example of when you work together for the good of your community, you're able to make magic. So, so, so wonderful to be able to talk about um, Kasama chocolate today. Now, without further ado, please welcome our guest, Vincent Garcia. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. We have an exciting guest for you today. In honor of Filipino Heritage Month, we are featuring Filipino-Canadian entrepreneurs. And today, right here live in his shop, here at Kasama Chocolate in Granville Island, please welcome Vince from Kasama. Welcome, Vince. Thank you for having me. Yes, so excited. Well, uh, Vince is now a friend of mine. We got, you know, we got acquainted a little bit back through Andrew from Lyon and Shoutout. And yeah, let's share with everybody about the story behind the chocolate, the chocolate maker behind Kasama Chocolate. So please tell our listeners who you are, what you do, and the story okay. behind Kasama. Awesome. Well, hello and kamusta. Uh, my name is Vincent Garcia. I'm one of the uh, co-founders and uh, owners at Kasama Chocolate here on uh, Granville Island in Vancouver. Um, we've been around since about 2015. Um, we're entering about our sixth year this fall. Um, we are bean-to-bar chocolate makers, meaning we make uh, all of our chocolate from scratch. 
Uh, we started off, obviously, um, with Cacao from the Philippines, and how we started with that is in 2014, I inherited a tiny bit of land in, um, in the northern Luzon, in the province of Cagayan, my, da- my dad's hometown of uh, Tuao. And uh, my dad, I guess my grandpa, my Lolo, was into agriculture back in the day. It's mostly a farming community, a farming region, a lot of rice and corn. Um, but our family property had, but at the time when my dad showed me a picture, I thought they were mangoes. Uh, it actually turned out it was cacao. And um, when I shared that with my friends, um, Oliver, Stefan, and Dominic are the other uh, partners and co-founders of Kasama Chocolate over beers uh, on the week that I found out that we had this property. Um, they thought it'd be funny to ask my dad if he could bring back some cacao beans just for just to play around with as a hobby, almost as a joke. And so when my dad brought back a couple of Ziploc bags full of cacao, we just went on YouTube, went on um, on Google, forums, uh, just tried to figure out if we could make chocolate, which we did with just basic kitchen equipment. And um, it started off as a hobby in a spare bedroom. Um, we didn't really take it seriously. Uh, people thought we were crazy. Um, <laughs> the, the chocolate actually didn't really taste that good at all. Uh, our first batch almost tasted like, like pizza and cardboard. <laughs> Uh, it was really bad, but we were super proud that we made chocolate. And I think the, one of the big turning points for us when we started to uh, think about taking it more serious was uh, in 2015, we went to Seattle for the Northwest Chocolate Festival, and we discovered that there was a whole craft chocolate movement, a bean-to-bar cho- chocolate movement. Um, and uh, you know, there were makers from Vietnam, from, from Italy, from New York, from all over the world. And, it just really opened our eyes in terms of the unique flavors you can get just from cacao beans and the fact that we had a connection directly to the source in the Philippines, which is still kind of an obscure source. We thought that we, we kind of caught on to something. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's when we started thinking about, you know, looking into maybe getting bigger equipment. Again, we none of us took business and none of us took chocolate, chocolate making lessons anywhere. So everything was just... You know, online now you can get all the information you want. And um, we started doing that and thought that, okay, if we want to take this to the next level, be good to try to test it out at like farmers markets or craft fairs, and we need to come up with a brand. And of course, uh, I'm all, my partners aren't all Filipino, as two of them are, are German descent and one's Swiss descent. And so naturally, you'd think that like what most makers around the world would use is some sort of a European reference. Mm-hmm. But I think it kind of came out last minute, and I suggested we use uh, like a Filipino word that kind of honors our, our origin story. A uh, bit of a funny story, my mom would always ask me where I was in the evening when I was making chocolate uh, in East Van at the time, and the first question she'd ask is like, si don't casa mamo? So, which translates which to? translates uh, is like, who are you with? Yeah. Uh, and naturally the, the answer would be, you know, like my, my friends, Steph, Ollie, and Dom, and, um, when, when the answer to the question is Sinon Kasama more your friends, it kind of makes sense to use the word Kasama because it also means like friendship and togetherness and mm-hmm. camaraderie, which are kind of values that we have. And yeah, we just kind of went from there and it started off as a hobby and kind of grew and, and here we are. Who'd have thought six years down the road that we'd have a shop on Granville Islands? Yes, congratulations. Thank you. I am a freaking visitor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a frequent um, botherer of bins. <laughs> I bother him a lot. Um, but, you know, that's really amazing how you guys were able to kind of put that together and just really not 
thinking of anything and then it became something that now has its own like storefront and so that's an incredible story and it's also a really personal like connection for you right because it's your family farm and and that's really where it's derived from so can you share a little bit about you know uh, what the history is of cacao in the Philippines so the Philippines uh, and its relationship with cacao is obviously um, very similar to a lot of other products that were imported through the Spanish um, the colonization period. Uh, cacao arrived through the Galleon trade route, which is from Acapulco to Manila, I believe, at the time, or some parts of Luzon. At least that's what they say in terms of the historical evidence of cacao in the Philippines. And it came in the 1600s. Um, I think it was brought over from Central America or Mexico, and it's been there now for well, well over three centuries. And um, so it's still of a, a bit of an interesting origin in terms of of um, cacao. Again, like I mentioned, Africa and South America are traditionally known as the main producers of, of cacao for the for the world. It, but at the same time, it's an interesting uh, fact is that the Philippines was the first country outside of Mesoamerica mm. to get cacao. Oh. So there's countries like Indonesia, Vietnam, Thailand, even even Africa. Cacao actually came to the Philippines before any of those. Wow. So. Um, that's kind of how it arrived there, and there's um, a lot of interesting different varieties of cacao. Um, not a whole lot of research and studies have been done on Philippine cacao, though. I feel like there's a lot of the trickle down of information um, from the industry to countries like the Philippines isn't as fast, say, as it goes through South America, mm-hmm. um, where the industry is a lot more developed. Yeah. Uh, in terms of what I've seen, at least. Yeah, yeah. So, um, no, I think it's cool. It's it's a, it's a neat opportunity. It's um, us being one of the first ones, if not the only ones in Canada, that are uh, using Philippine cacao yeah. for, our co- uh, for our chocolate bars. And I think you mentioned it too. For me, I'm a second generation Filipino. I was born here to Philippine immigrants. Uh, my father is Itawis. My mom is from uh, Ilocos. <laughs> and uh, it's allowed me to learn a lot more about, um, about our roots. Yeah. So it's been a very interesting journey. Yeah, yeah. I know uh, initially, I think you mentioned to me, like, you know, when you and your friends were thinking about this, like, was it your dad or whatever who was like, what, are you crazy? Like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, who told you you can be a chocolate it, maker? It was supposed to just be like a, a hobby or a joke, not an actual company. Um, again, none of, none, no one in my family were, were chocolatiers or chocolate makers, let alone pastry chefs. So, you know, obviously it kind of makes sense. Like none of us, none, none of, nobody in Kasama had a background in this. So to think that we were going to be crazy enough to start a business, I think a lot of people um, around us just kind of had their, um, had their doubts or mm-hmm. had their reservations about if this was a, you know, something worth taking a risk on. Yeah. Um, but again, I think it's teamwork makes the dream work. And when you have four people who have kind of committed to something and, and willing to make those sacrifices, I think almost anything's possible. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So, and hopefully we can inspire other people too, knowing that like we didn't really know what we were doing. Yeah. So don't you know? Don't ever think that um, there's any limitations, right? Just go for it. Go for the sky, guys. And you never know. You might end up with your own shop, just like yeah. Lynn's here. Um, I'm gonna take it back to what it was like in the beginning when you guys were doing farmers markets and. Obviously, you're introducing to this market Philippine cacao, which is not a normal, you know, it's it's not, it's 
not normally the first thing people think of when it comes to chocolate. They think of, you know, Belgian chocolate, right? Swiss chocolate, things like that. So um, can you take me through kind of what it was like to educate people or share the story of Kasama chocolate to the farmer's market or to any of the consumers? For sure. Uh, I think the most important thing that when it comes to the educational component is, is people ask, like, are you chocolatiers? Mm-hmm. And having to make that distinction between chocolate making and, and chocolatiering, which are two kind of separate uh, processes. Mm-hmm. Um, so like Kasama uh, uh, Chocolate, we're, we're chocolate makers. Um, take that another step, it's called bean to bar chocolate. So our chocolate's literally made from scratch, directly from cacao beans. Um, so I think the first part of educating people is understanding A, why they're paying, a, uh, the bean to bar chocolate can range from $10 US to $25 US per bar. So mm-hmm. it's definitely not cheap. Um, compared to the stuff that you'd buy, say, at a grocery or a gas station. So um, I think the nice thing about starting off in farmer's markets is that people shop at farmer's markets because they want to know the people behind their food. And um, they like to ask those questions before they they buy, mm-hmm. and uh, which, which kind of works well with the whole educational component. So what we usually tell people first is that, A, we, we make our chocolate from scratch, directly from the beans. B, these are fine-flavored cacao beans. Um, from the Philippines, from Peru, from Ecuador, and a lot of that has to do with like how the the harvests are done at the origin, um, the the quality of the cacao as well. Like there's a lot of close attention paid to the fermenting of the cacao. So the, the our chocolate bars are made from fermented cacao beans, and that's like a six day process, mm-hmm. and uh, everything is done really carefully at the origin. So um, I think that's one of the major. Uh, kind of facts that people need to learn about why they're spending so much on this type of a product. Um, B, from it being a, from a very interesting and unique origin, being the Philippines, um, a lot of people, a lot of Filipinos don't even know sometimes yeah. that we have cacao there, a lot, let alone that it grows on trees. <laughs> um, so I think that was, a, I mean, the first few years, I think that was kind of our goal. It wasn't so much the, the financial component or, or, or financial um, goals that we were focused on. It was more like educating people. Mm-hmm. Um, were people t- surprised that like you, there's actually chocolate that can come out of the Philippines? Absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. Again, I say it's funny when a lot of Filipinos don't even, yes. don't even know that we have cacao there or the history of it. Um, and again, not to say that we're the only uh, bean and bar makers in the Philippines. Philipp- the Philippines has had cacao for many, many years. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the chocolate that's produced in the Philippines is also bean to bar. Mm-hmm. Um, people just didn't know. And again, it being a this is an interesting thing about the, a lot of these of these cacao producing countries is that not it doesn't it's more of an export commodity rather than something that's domestically consumed. Mm-hmm. So a lot of Filipinos don't really it's not part of really our culture other yeah. than maybe at Christmas time when they, 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 they drink the the tablea or the yeah. chocolate drinks, and that's about it. Whereas, say in Europe, it's it's eaten year-round. Yeah. Um, you mentioned like Belgian and Swiss-style chocolates and French-style chocolates. Oddly enough, there isn't a Canadian-style chocolate yet. <laughs> uh, or or a, actually, I'd say the Filipino-style would probably be a tablea. Mm-hmm. Were people surprised that like you know we actually do yeah chocolate? absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. surprised that we had cacao and surprised that it it, it tastes good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, that's kind of a nice thing. It's again me. Being um, you know, having Filipino heritage, uh, it's definitely a an extra motivating factor for for why this business exists as well. Um, and I think that all of my business partners and everybody that's part of this this team understands that it's a really important part mm-hmm. of um, our identity as a business and a brand. Yeah. Um, so yeah. 
And of course, you know, after working so hard and cultivating the company, you guys have won some awards. We did, Congratulations. yes. Congratulations. Uh, tell us what it was like when you guys first won your first awards. It's like, what? We're, we're onto something? Like, people yeah. care? Yeah. <laughs> well, our, our, first, our first awards was about two years ago at the International Chocolate Awards. Um, it's a really well-known and real well-respected organization. Um, uh, our first time winning awards was actually for the Philippine Beans mm-hmm. two years ago. It was for our Papua New Guinea, um, our raspberry bar. We use local uh, BC raspberries and, um, and a barrel-aged whiskey bar. Mm-hmm. Sorry, a barrel-aged uh, gin bar. Um, so that was really awesome considering our size. We didn't yeah. even... I don't think we even had a kitchen at the time. We were still kind of home-based. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, which is really cool. Um, but then recently, this just just these, like about a month ago, we picked up 10 awards in New York. The International Chocolate Awards for the Americas, which is for uh, Canada, the U.S., uh, Central and South America. Uh, we picked up 10 awards, including awards for our 70% Davao. Mm-hmm. So that was really awesome. Like, yeah. We were really excited for that. Our goat's milk bar won as well, made with Philippine cacao. We do a cafe bar with um, Iona and Paolo from Cafe in Vancouver. It's, a, it's called the Cafe Espresso, so it's Philippine coffee beans and Philippine cacao. So that picked up a gold in Canada and a silver uh, at the world stage. Uh, the goat's milk bar, again, I mentioned, picked up a gold. Uh, we did a Philippine durian. Mm-hmm. That won a silver, and it also won a special recognition for it's a very unique kind of combination. Philippine durian, too, is kind of an unknown yeah. um, commodity that's very well loved throughout Asia. And I think the big one for us, too, is just that 70%. I think as a chocolate maker, you really know where you stand if your single-origin bars um, get pure... Um, accolades from your peers. Um, So that was really awesome. And uh, recently we were able to submit to the Worlds in Germany and we picked up a few awards as well. Um, Our Durian Bar got an award. Um, I think our Strawberry Bar and the Cafe Bar also won an award and a few others. So, no, that's been awesome. I mean, this year, obviously with the pandemic and all, we we opened actually on Granville Island January 1st amidst a pandemic. And um, it's great. The community is still discovering us. It's almost yeah. like a first year all over again. And we're having to educate people now who are coming to our shop. Um, but I still feel that like that's just uh, more motivation for us to continue what we're doing and more validation that we're on the right path. So. Yes! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys full-on showed the world literally that Philippine cacao can compete. <laughs> So, I mean, as a Filipino, how must that have felt, you know? It feels awesome. Um, you know, I got congratulations from people back home, people in the, in the, in the cacao industry in the Philippines. Um, you know, again, like I, th- I think I mentioned now that we have a storefront, a lot of people in this city are discovering us for the first time and having a destination with a Philippine brand on a, a high visibility area like Granville Island is really awesome. And yeah, for sure, for me, uh, I think it's interesting and it's a really nice feeling when people you don't know are coming looking for you and telling you how proud they are that they see something with a Philippine name, um, championing a Philippine product, getting international recognition. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's a bit, I wouldn't say surreal is too much strong of a word, but um, it's it's just, it's something deep down inside that I just feel like we're doing the right thing. Like, I think you question yourself all the time throughout life if you're on the right path, no matter how old you are. And for me, that's kind of, um, it's, it's more 
Um, validation again is probably the best word I can think of at the moment that's just mm -hmm. telling me to continue doing what I'm doing and keep championing um, what we're doing, especially for, for stuff back home. So. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to take it over to the community. So obviously people are starting to discover, they're starting to come visit. Like what was the response? What has the response been like from, yeah, Filipinos in the community when they come by and visit your, your, your storefront? Yeah, that's interesting. I think a lot of people who are discovering us for the first time will see our sign outside or our sandwich boards and they'll see this word Kasama chocolate. And then they'll probably think like, is that a Filipino, a yeah. Filipino word? Is that a Filipino company? And then they'll come <laughs> in and first thing they'll see is like pictures from, we have this uh, Kasama friendship wall near the, the entrance and it's got pictures of, um, you know, pictures from the origin in the Philippines, some of our farming partners, uh, pictures of myself, Dom, Oliver, Stefan. And uh, they'll know right away because it has a definition of what Kasama means. And so that's the first thing. They're kind of shocked, pleasantly shocked, obviously surprised. Mm -hmm. And um, I think, too, then they start seeing the awards. Um, so it's kind of like this. It's like it's like they never expected to see this. Yeah. It's kind of like this little hidden gem. I mean, we're on the we're on the east east side of Granville Island, which is not the most popular side of Granville or not the he heaviest pedestrian traffic. But um, you know, people are slowly discovering us, and of course, we love to take pictures and share mm -hmm. that and tell their mm -hmm. friends and family. And um, I think too, with the, with the options we have for our products, a lot of people like to get them as gifts. And they'll send them to their relatives, or titos, or titas, or lolos, lolas. We'll have people even asking us to do like some sort of custom things sometimes too, and custom mm -hmm. messages. So no, the community is really coming out. Uh, I don't think we'd be where we are without the, Filip the Philippine community locally. We've got a lot of Filipinos here in, in BC, and um, I, uh, there's a lot more Filipino businesses too, which I find is really interesting. And I find that the food network here is really small. Mm -hmm. And um, no, it's also nice, I feel, when other people who are in the food industry come and share with us their kind of their dreams or share with me their dreams yeah. and I kind of tell them like dude if any or you know if, if we can figure it out you can figure it out too it's mm -hmm. just um, it's timing and an opportunity and all those kind of cliches but for sure uh, the community it, we are where we are but the community is really been a, an integral part of that and always will be so nice um, you know, when I think of um, kind of leaders in, in putting our products on the map, like obviously like there's a Yona Impala Cafe Coffee, there's a Kasama Chocolate, right? Um, can you talk about how, you know, how meaningful it is that when we do focus on our own product, that we are actually able to achieve a result where people would be interested. Because a lot of the times, some Filipinos really battle with is our inferiority complex. Mm -hmm. Like, we're not good enough. Like, we can't compete. Our stuff is not like this. But actually, you know, we can produce high-quality things, award-winning products. Can you talk a little bit about that and, you know, I guess sharing how we can change or reframe that mindset so that sure. we can believe in our abilities and our products and back it and support it and kind of see it, you know, compete in the world stage. Absolutely. I, um, no, I totally understand where you're coming from. I think most Filipinos have gone through that when we kind of look at our own products or exports from our, our own kind of... Um, say like our, our, our countries and stuff like that it's like at home right like people will be like oh they, they, they're always more excited to oh it's like the Kit Kat from the US yeah. or like the Colgate from like yeah. from Canada but really it's like when you think about it like at home like hey actually we have some amazing like you know for sure and 
I'd say, yeah, you nailed it on the head. I think with a lot more Filipinos uh, doing business now and focusing more on the quality and the processes of what they're doing, whether it's food or some sort of craft. Um, I will do definitely say, though, that our proximity to Seattle and seeing the food movement down there, um, I, I, I would it would I would be wrong to not acknowledge that, um, you know, what people are at Hood Famous, Shara, Janelle, um, uh, Gio, um, they've really created... Um, an ecosystem for Filipino businesses to thrive for at least in the food sphere mm-hmm. um, and the Filipino food movement and, sp- and specifically yeah. I, I always kind of look at that as a bit of a model for us in Vancouver because they've had a generation over us I feel like it's a kind of a generational shift in mindset in terms of what we're capable of doing uh, as Filipinos or second generation Filipino Canadians or Filipino Americans yeah. so um, no, I say that and Carmel from Calzada as well she was the one that connected me to a lot of the folks down in Seattle and had a lot of nice conversations with them and, and um, their own kind of food influencers, mm-hmm. um, like the Binka boy, uh, Ray Diwag, <laughs> he's down there, quite well known in, in the Northwest. And I just feel like it's one of those things where as you see um, a shift for like more of the millennials who are starting to do businesses now um, who kind of, you know, kind of are a bit more, I'd say, accustomed to like branding and like focusing on your dedicating yourself to a craft uh, in either a Canadian or American context mm-hmm. um, that kind of opens up the eyes for people just outside of the Filipino community and I think that it's it's a weird thing because I feel that like Filipinos need that validation from outside of the community in order for them to really <laughs> embrace things yeah. both of them are going to get in trouble for saying that and I think that again over time that's going to continue to shift and evolve mm-hmm. But that's kind of like a reference point, at least that I'm seeing, and I think it's happening already. Yeah. So it's really awesome to see and to be part of it in some shape or form. Yeah. And I, I only see it uh, continuing to grow, and then that 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 will totally shift at some point. There's great pastry chefs in the city. There's great chefs mm-hmm. as well. Like you mentioned, like Andrew from La Union, uh, Mark Singson as well. Um, and so, no, there's I think, and then and the more visible we are, the better. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to uh, take it a little bit deeper with that context that you just shared. So there's obviously, it seems like there's a good number of like, you know, leading examples, second gens, right? Who are leading with their Filipino culture, creating businesses around it, sharing our, um, you know, sharing our stories Mm -hmm. as Filipinos, you know, and you mentioned like a generation shift, right? Uh, would you mind sharing kind of, you know, maybe some observations as to why that is? Why there is a, a generation... Like that type of synergy or energy that's happening. There's this like pulse, pulsing of mm. Filipino movement that is coming up now. And it's bubbling up and you're you're seeing it. And obviously in Seattle, there's, there's things happening over in Toronto, mm-hmm. even in New York. Like, you know... Um, like you see there's a lot of these second third gens now that you know if at first did not even think about you know creating businesses mm-hmm. or creating products or you know um yeah that that are around the filipino story the filipino narrative and now we were seeing it really coming into fruition making an impact mm-hmm. i'm just curious i'm just picking your brain yeah. i know we didn't really you know think about this pre-interview <laughs> yeah, yeah. but yeah like do you have any thoughts or observations to why there is this like energy now well, I I'm a dreamer first of all so a lot of what I say is is a lot of kind of it's not coming it's not coming from an emotional space 
but I do feel like there's a bit of a synchronicity that um, if somebody is doing something, there's usually a few other people who are doing the same thing or thinking the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of us have had kind of similar stories in terms of how we grew up, um, whether it's in Vancouver or Winnipeg or Calgary or Toronto or Seattle, mm-hmm. um, coming from like Im- immigrant immigrant parents who worked hard to so that we could have the opportunities that maybe our parents didn't have. Mm-hmm. And I think that at the same time with social media and all that, it's also helps that when you're doing something, you're almost in a bit of a silo, but if you look around you and you see there's other people who are kind of doing the same thing, it gives you this kind of this confidence that there's this kind of this wave that's coming and you're not alone, we're not alone. Mm-hmm. And when you see other Filipino Canadians or Filipino Americans doing something for themselves, for the community, it gives you a bit more of that confidence that, and it also creates dialogue too. Like we reached out to, again, people in Seattle and asked mm-hmm. them how things are going, people in Calgary. And then when you kind of see that we're all in that same kind of, it's like swimming lessons. We're all <laughs> kind of treading water, but now we're, ready, we're able to go into that deeper end collectively. So it's at the same time, if anyone's kind of struggling, there's always somebody who might have already struggled before who could share some of that information. Mm-hmm. I find that there's um, a lot more transparency with second generation um, Filipino Canadians or Filipino Americans and mm-hmm. sharing um, insights in terms of what they went through. And I think that when they're able to share that, you create this knowledge base. And um, I feel like that's also an important part because I don't know if that really existed previously with our parents' generation. There wasn't social media. Mm-hmm. People weren't so comfortable sharing stories about failure, I think. Yeah. When, when your peers are willing to share stories about failure because they want to help you, I think that that benefits, I mean, you're kind of paying it forward and then your willingness to share those stories with other people around you. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like that's kind of, at least in my opinion, is a, a, a really big part of why you're seeing a lot more um, Filipino Canadians, Filipino Americans in the diaspora doing things. Obviously during a pandemic too, it's mm-hmm. kind of, you know, people are, I think Filipinos are very assertive as well. Like mm-hmm. m- my mom, my dad had to like get second jobs or like, mm-hmm had to pivot in their careers and I think that when you see your parents are that kind of resilient and assertive um, that trickles down mm-hmm. as a generational thing mm-hmm. and um, it's just that uh, like that, that saying you know con gusto me paraan so yeah. if there's a will there's a way and I feel that like um, there's a lot of that kind of spirit uh, in our community uh, so- <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting all like you know moved by Vince here. Thank you for blessing us. But also, you know what I really like about what you talked about uh, the openness and dialogue and just being transparent with the struggles and challenges that we face. It creates a really healthy space for conversation and dialogue because maybe privy before other people have had um, experiences where they've came up where it's become more competition rather mm-hmm. than collaboration. Yeah. But really, by just being you know honest and vulnerable with hey you know what we went through what you guys went through like we also hit these roadblocks like this is what we learned like you know what did you learn Mm -hmm. just having that amongst each other that having that dialogue amongst each other in the community really just helps to elevate you know each other and just takes it to the next step where we can see all of us thrive and succeed Mm -hmm. right and I think that well (laughs) Who's my opinion? But my thoughts are we should definitely keep this top of mind because when you think of that, it's you see you see more and more of us kind of doing doing things that are making an impact and what it means to be Filipino and mm. 
and what it represents and ultimately making your parents proud. I mean, if at first, like you probably were like, you're crazy. Who told you you could do this? And then afterwards, they must have been like, oh, like, great job. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This is my son. I'm so proud. Like, aren't Filipino parents so funny? They are. They're your first haters. And then. And then they'll be the first ones to. The loudest. uh, Loudest fans, right? Loudest fans, loudest (laughs) critics, all in one. (laughs) Well, with that, I wanted to ask, well, for people who are, you know, wanting to start something new or pursue their interests and, um, you know, whether it is uh, something to do with Filipino stories or Mm -hmm. Filipino narratives or Filipino products, you know, what's your advice for them? Like, coming from what you had gone through, like... I think you gotta be a bit naive um, and also know why you're doing it. Mm-hmm. I think it's a bit of a harder thing to describe. Um, again, I think I know that a lot of, uh, you know, we grew up a very risk averse type of culture mm-hmm. where our parents kind of had an opportunity or they had a, a career and they were able to stick with it. And They shelter you a they lot. They shelter you a lot um, with the best intentions, obviously. Um, but in terms of advice, I just think that, um, I mean, pizza's been around for how long? And there's still new pizza places popping up all the time. <laughs> uh, I think a lot of it comes down to uh, definitely a, a passion for something. But I think if you're going to be thinking, it, it really depends. I feel like when you're interested in something like, say, pottery or pastry and you want to make it at a, at a home level, that's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a lot of things you have to really think about is, is having that kind of vision long term in terms of um, what it takes Again, it's, it's pretty risky mm-hmm. to start a business, especially uh, during these times. Um, but at the same time, like I think I mentioned, there's a lot of Filipinos, or Filipino Americans or Canadians who have, have done businesses or are still in business or might not be in business. Um, I, I think the saying is like we're standing on the shoulders of giants. There's always people who have kind of paved ways for us before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think not to be scared to ask questions. Mm-hmm. It's one thing I've kind of learned throughout school is the students that tend to ask the most questions just tend to get the most out of those um, those moments with the yeah. teachers. So, again, like I, what I was saying earlier is a lot of there's a lot of people who are quite open about sharing their their knowledge experience. They're not going to share everything though. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, for obvious reasons. Obvious reasons. But I think pursuing a passion first and thinking about the reasons behind it. Um, I used to listen to a lot of those TED things before, and I remember. Um, Saying that, like, like I think uh, money isn't a result. Sorry, money is not an objective, but it's a result of what you're doing. Mm. Um, just being good at what you're doing or the craft. Um, obviously, the cliche things of researching. But the thing is that I find about... I didn't go to business school, but I knew that they have business management school. They teach you how to manage a business. They don't teach you how to start a business. Mm. It's two different ways of thinking. Because I think that when you're starting something, there's a lot of unknowns. Yeah. And building a business is not the same as managing a business. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think if you're able to kind of understand those two concepts, um, if you're starting something, um, there's going to be a lot of those unknowns, and you're going to you're going to improve your craft and whatnot. But you're also building data at the same time. Mm-hmm. And um, I think once it gets to a point where you're starting to manage it, that's when you have to really start paying attention to more of the numbers of it. Mm-hmm. But I think early on, it's. I mean, if I can speak from my own experience. Um, we had to cr- almost create our own market for what we do, mm-hmm. and a lot of it just boils down to educating. Um, so I think that if you're able to communicate that and convey that, I think people are a lot more open now to spending money on on um, 
things that they understand better or there's more of an attention to detail in the craft necessarily a value purchase mm -hmm. so I think it really depends on also what you're you're doing or making mm -hmm. um, but no, I think um, if, if, if anyone's at a crossroads and they're kind of thinking about it, how many people do you talk to who started businesses and say, I wish I did that 10 years previous mm -hmm. or prior? Mm -hmm. So um, that's the advice I'd probably give is just, just know why you're doing it first. Because yeah. people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. I'm going to steal a Simon Sinek quote. <laughs> Well, what's next for Kasama? You know, what's up on the horizon? And, you, you know, I'm sure there are more awards to be won, Hopefully. more flavors to do. But yeah, like... Well, Filipino Heritage Month is coming up next month in June. So we're really excited to bring back some flavors that were quite popular. Yes. Um, I'd like to thank Andrew Alejado at Layunin because he's <laughs> kind of helped facilitate the uh, acquisition of certain ingredients back from home. Mm -hmm. And uh, so in terms of the short term, um, we got some you know interesting products coming up. We got some interesting collaborations coming up. Um, again, we're still pretty new on Granville Island, so I still feel that uh, this year is going to be a bit of a learning curve year for us in terms of learning uh, know what to expect moving forward. Mm -hmm. um, but I will probably be going back to the Philippines, most likely be going back to the Philippines next month. Mm -hmm. And I think it's always been a dream of mine to create more of a solid connection between what we're doing here and what we're doing in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. um, and that might involve me being up there a bit, you know, spending more time there. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, and yeah, we'll see. I think whatever, sky's the limit, right? Yeah. Well, you spoke about the Philippines, my friend. You know, I did. Where are you going to be spending time with and what is your favorite part every time you go home? Oh. Not only like the food, like there are there moments There's where you're like, something, man, this is yeah. home. I feel like, and, and that's a great question to ask. I've been asking myself this question a lot, is this concept of home? Because my relatives back home, my girlfriend back home will always say, uh, when are you coming back home? Oh. And not in the same way that my mom or my aunt might say, what time are you coming home? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so for me, as someone who's been, was born in Canada, I, it was 2014 when I first got to go back to the Provincia proper mm -hmm. and spend some, I guess, significant amount of time in the Provincia. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is now where the, you, know, you don't speak Tagalog anymore. Yeah. You're speaking like really old dialects and you have these kind of generational relationships with people in these villages that have known my great-grandparents and my grandparents and they're, they'll give you a hug just because they know that uh, you're the grandchild or the son of such and such. And I think that that's the part that I look forward to is discovering more about myself and my family each time I go back home, go back home quote unquote. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure some people who, uh, some of the listeners have maybe experienced that. It's, it's, you can't really explain how that feels. Mm -hmm. um, I wish I could, but I feel like that's, and you're not really doing a whole lot. There's not a whole lot that goes on the Provincia. Like, these, there's no McDonald's. There's it's no, slow living. There's no Jollibee. It's definitely slow living. Mm -hmm. um, but it's a way, and the, the, it sounds really strange, but every time I go back to the province, I go home, and I'm, you know, I'm interacting with people my same age. They ask me so many questions about Canada, and I, I always look at myself, like, that easily could have been me. Mm -hmm. I could be the one that was grew up in the province and asking what it's like to get out of the Philippines and what yeah. its life is like outside. Yeah. Whereas I'm so intrigued and excited to see what life was inside. Mm. So there's this interesting kind of like 
dynamic. introverted dynamic or mirror where I'm, I'm seeing myself in another way that I could easily have been I could have been a cacao farmer not yeah. producing I could be the one who was harvesting that's true and um, the craft too is this is really interesting I just this concept of craft in the Philippines everything is craft in the province yeah yeah so for me it's always like um, just discovering a lot of these new things and uh, it's really helped kind of sh- shape my own sense of identity too. So those are, that's really what I, I look forward to to experiencing each time I go back. Whenever so. you go home. What do you say for others who, let's say, were born and raised out here in the diaspora who have yet to um, go back to the Philippines? You know, would you say that having to visit the Philippines, it helps to understand your roots a little bit more? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think that like just the concept of identity in in the Filipino context is such a such a heavy topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, if you haven't had a chance to go back and see your roots, I mean, Manila is like Manila's Manila. Manila is just like you go to any like big metropolitan city. It's a stopover. <laughs> it's a stopover. But when you go go into the province, if you do have roots uh, in certain parts of the Philippines, wherever it may be. Um, I mean, it might not be for everybody. Mm-hmm, and it's also, I think, a lot of it has to do with timing. Mm-hmm. Like, I wanted to go back. Mm-hmm. I think when you want to discover those things and you want to go back, it's a lot different than just going there on a holiday. Mm-hmm. So I think that when you go there, you go with an open mind. An intention. With an intention. And um, sometimes it resonates and sometimes it might, it might not resonate. It's not for everybody, but I feel that, like, you, you know, you'll know. Yeah. Um, so I think it's just it's worth it just to just to discover that part because uh, whether you're you're any any anyone who's an immigrant uh, in the new world so to speak mm-hmm. you go back to the old world um, it's it's definitely something to experience at least once or a couple times in your lifetime I mean it's it's crazy to think that some people in Manila have never even gone back to the province yeah that's the thing that really I find interesting because mm-hmm. um, it gives you this insight that you might you that you'll never get from a book. Um, it's, it's, it's you feel it, yeah. And we're a, a very a culture that likes to feel a lot, <laughs> very emotional. So um, when yeah. you, when you were talking about that, the word the word kutob like came in my head because it's like a gut feel, like you know when yeah. you when you're there, you'll know the feeling. It'll hit you, and it's unexplainable. And like like you said, you can't really really read it online. You can't really like um, read it in a book. It's something you have to experience yourself. Absolutely, like it's just a whole different um, perspective, a different experience. And like for myself, when I went back January 2020, January February 2020, this is like pre before the world shut down. <laughs> that was the first time I ever went back. Um, that wasn't summer. Like that wasn't like a holiday, mind you. I came back because of my grandma's funeral. And I had a moment to myself, like in my uncle's balcony, and like the, you know, the palm trees were waving, like there's the next door neighbors, and you see like the pile where they usually burn leaves and garbage and stuff, right? And I took a picture of it, it's still on my phone now, and then it was like, like there was just a gentle breeze, and I was like, wow, this is the first time I actually like came here at this time like of the season I would always come either in the summer or in like typhoon season whatever right just because that's when um like uh, my my family members their their school reunions or high school reunions happen and so like customary would go around the same time but I had never come at that like that season and then it was like 
oh my gosh, like, how would I have felt if I came in different, like, times, like, throughout the year to the Philippines? I bet I would have a different experience. I would have a different feeling. I would fall in love with it in a different way, in another way. And, um, and I really had that moment where I was like, this is something that is just something that you just have to feel. Like, it's to be felt when you're there. And when you take a moment to stop, and I think that's the best part about being in Probinsya. Probinsya, the province, like slow living, but then it, it, it causes you to stop and pause, right? Sometimes you're deep in thought and sometimes it's just the experience of just staying still. And we don't, we don't really experience uh, that out here. Like the pace of how it is here in North America, it demands you to always be doing something. Mm-hmm. Right? You have to be productive, like make something out of your time. And like now, you know, a lot more and more people, are st- especially with the pandemic being such a major life disruption, work disruption, it's caused people to like stop in their tracks. And then maybe some have been more introspective in terms of their identity. And so that's why they listen to this podcast. Mm-hmm. They're reading more books. They're buying Kasama chocolate, right? <laughs> like because they're getting more and more in touch with looking deeper into themselves. But it's funny because like if you were going to take the same person and plant them over in the Philippines at that moment, they would be able to just really relish in like that experience. So really incredible experience. Anyways, before I obviously drag this on, because here we are, you know, F na F, feel na feel. <laughs> we're getting into our feels about the Philippines. What are some tips of, that you have for people to watch out for when they do visit for the Philippines? What should they prepare for? <laughs> when they go to the Philippines? Yeah. For first-time visitors. <laughs> There's two types of mosquitoes. <laughs> <laughs> the ones that bite during the day are the dangerous ones. <laughs> That's um, yeah. No, I just think, what's the advice I'd give to somebody who's going back to the Philippines for the first time to the yeah. province? Yeah. Um... You'll be waking up at four in the morning because there's there's chickens, there's, there's roosters. <laughs> there's dogs barking. There's dogs barking. Um, just, it's hard to explain. Just uh, the heat waves. Just be open. Just yeah. be open. I just think just go in with an, an open mind um, and just be a sponge. Yeah. If it's your first time. Because <laughs> uh, there is, it's not, I wouldn't call it culture shock, but it is, it is a shock to the system. <laughs> it's almost like... Um, if that's the intention of going back, and it's not a holiday, it's it's like taking a fish and from from an aquarium and putting it in the in a lake. Yeah. Uh, just expect the unexpected. Um, you know, uh, the way people drive, for instance, <laughs> in the province, it's uh, really different from what you probably have experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the idea of safety, because you'll see people like five people on a motorcycle without helmets. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot more Kamayan type eating and dining um, but I, I wouldn't even say give advice I'd say it's, it's kind of like a book it's like you choose your own adventure you can go at your own pace you can discover as much as you want or as little as you want um, but I, I, I always recommend going for walks around the barangays learn about how barangays are set up how neighborhoods are set up mm-hmm. I find that the one thing about life in the provincia is that the constants are those again I mentioned generational relationships Yeah. so you're not really alone ever mm-hmm. even though you might be a stranger there you're 
you're you're not really alone, and and the community knows a lot a lot more about you than you think. Yeah. Oh, you're in the son of so and so, and you guys went to Canada in this year. And you know, you went to high school with your grandpa, and la la la. <laughs> like, All those things. I love that stuff. Yeah. Um, I think that's I think one thing that's interesting is the conversations you might have could take up to an hour. Yeah. If you're just buying like a a sarsi or something from the sari sari store because they're going to want to know mm-hmm. who you are where you're from where your family is and mm-hmm. next thing you know it's you're talking to an old lost relative or there's all these interesting stories yeah. to discover mm-hmm. so wonderful well thank you so much for guesting on our show babe. my pleasure thank you for having me please tell our listeners where they can find you okay well we're uh, on granville island we're at 1244 cartwright street unit two in the blue building at the end loop of granville island um you'll see uh, a little small shop with a little small sign that says kasama chocolates uh, that's here in vancouver guys so when you come in and vancouver, visit there you go <laughs> once this borders open up again and uh, you can check us out online uh, kasamachocolate.com we're also on instagram Instagram and Facebook uh, at Kasama Chocolate. Um, yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you again, Vince, for coming on to our show. We are so delighted to have you talk about Kasama Chocolate. We are not only such huge fans of the chocolate, but so incredibly inspired by your story and sharing this Filipino cacao bean, this Filipino product with the world and showing everybody, hey, y'all, we can compete. We can win some awards on some Filipino chocolate. So um, make sure you go and check them out. They ship all over and uh, visit their website at kasamachocolate.com. So before we end off, is there anything else that you wanted to add, Archia? We got our Instagram at Filipino Fridays podcast. And don't forget to contact us if you have any suggestions or, you know, email us at contact at filipinofridays.com. And yeah. Oh, also on Kumu, we are on at Filipino Fridays because Filipino Fridays podcast does not fit in the username. (laughs) text characters but yeah go ahead i think that's it i don't know uh before we end this um we just wanted to say a huge thank you to the community for sharing and liking um the cbc article the cbc interview that came out uh we are so so grateful for our community we continue to do this because of you um can you share with us actually somebody shared a story about their mom reading the article a couple times can you share with us actually what ended up happening hey i'm gonna do a special shout out to my friend gabby out in new york you know she shared a story with me earlier today where um she had sent the link to her mom about our article and our article is about um just some of the topics that we talk about like body shaving and colorism but her mom had read the the article a couple times and it took her a minute to finally just realize, or maybe just she got some insight from reading our article. And that led to her mom, Gabby's mom, uh, saying sorry for just all of the shame that she has done. Or at least like, you all know, the intergenerational like the- trauma that she has incurred you know from her own pain and that would also stem into body shaming into colorism mm-hmm. issues that is perpetual uh, perpetuated in the filipino household so 
Wow. You know, thank you, Gabby, for sharing that with us. Um, again, it's also part of the reason why we do what we do. Um, and this, and that is to open up conversations like this within your own mm-hmm. home, within your own parents. Um, you may not have been able to speak about this before comfortably and there was this article that was able to, you know, provide her mom some insight and yeah, bridge the gap. Come on. How We're doing often, it, y'all. How, how often is it that you can get a Filipino parent to say, sorry, come on, y'all. <laughs> right. Right. So, um, you know, it's a little bit uh, away from our major topic today, but we just wanted to close off and say thank you so much for your continued support, everybody. Um, please, let's continue to support each other, support Vince at Kasama Chocolate, support all of these other Filipinos who are doing amazing things for the community and really putting the community first, putting the community at the forefront putting the Filipino identity, leading with Filipino identity. And when that happens, we see Filipino excellence. We see Filipinos thrive. And we see ourselves win. So, you know, just so thankful for you all. Um, Please continue to tune in and make sure to catch us on the next episode. We are going to be bombing you with a bunch of episodes. You know, we were out there a while. We told y'all y'all ain't ready. Yeah, we (laughs) We were out. Now we back, son. We back. We back, back, bitch. Now we back. Back again. Hey, (laughs) let's go. So, yeah, so we definitely have some wonderful guests coming on, um, especially for Filipino Heritage Month here in Canada. We also will be peppering some other guests that we've um, that we are so excited to be able to share with you. So, um, yeah, make sure you watch out. Make sure you turn on that um, push notification button on Instagram so you don't miss an episode that comes out because we are about to surprise you. It ain't just going to drop on Fridays, y'all. We're going to really just, you know, it's Filipino every day, Filipino Fridays every day. (laughs) Yeah, it's Filipino Fridays every day, every day. Well, no, we're we're, we're going to definitely, you know, surprise you with an episode here, here and there um, in between the days during the week um that way it's not just limited to filipino fridays and you can really um yeah you can really just binge listen as binge all the content you want (laughs) y'all yeah so we made sure to pack up we made we made sure to um to have a whole pile of episodes ready to go for you, um, especially for this month. It is from the bottom of our hearts. We are so thankful, so grateful that you continue to tune in. So with that said, we would also like to thank our partners, Petito Corner BC, for continuing to support this podcast. Of course, if you are on Filipino time uh, (laughs) and based here in Vancouver, please tune in to CITR 101.9 FM every Monday at 11 a.m. So thank you so much to CITR 101.9 FM for continuing to support Filipino Fridays podcast. Also, just a lot last shout out. We would love to thank GP Mendoza from CBC Vancouver. Yes. Yes, it's because of his passion project to put Filipino stories at the forefront that we were included in the kickoff for the Filipino Heritage Month. 
Uh, we'd also like to thank uh, Michelle Elliott for inviting us to guest on her show on BC Today. Um, we'd also like to thank so many people who continue to show some love and continue to learn and, and grow in discovering their Filipino identity along with us. So thank you so much for the love. So with that said, these are your hosts, Chia and Archie. And in the words of Mr. Romeo Marquez Jr., let's get it done in 2021. Let's get it.